Let's jump right in this morning and stand together with me, if you can, as we read our key text this morning, Honor God's Word. We'll find it in James chapter 1, starting with verse 19. You guys want to read it with me this morning? It is up on the screen behind me. Let's do that right now. Ready? My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning, and we just ask that you would speak directly to our spirit this morning. We want to hear a rhema word, a right now word from you to us this morning, and we fully expect that as you do that, we will walk away from here changed and different this morning. Your word changes us. Lord, we want to hear from you. Your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. All right. Well, so just in case... You have to leave early or you tune out or the internet signal drops again um, or you lose electricity. I just, I just want to go ahead and give you the bottom line for these next four weeks because we're going to be talking about you and we're going to be talking about me and your and my big mouth, all right? So there's a lot to talk about. A cool thing about this series is if you're a believer, there's something for you to take away from this this morning, but if you're not yet, if you're, if you're seeking this morning, if you're um, just here in this conversation, there's takeaway too, because the Bible is practical. It's very practical and it's so applicable to our lives. And so I wanna go ahead and just give you the bottom line in terms of the big idea, the big application for the next four weeks together. And if you would, I would, I would like us to do an exercise this morning. This is an audience participation morning this morning. I'll say this first, and then you say it after me, all right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, all right? Let's do that together. Ready? One, two, three. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And now we're going to go back to kids camp this morning, and I'm going to have you do some hand motions, all right? So everybody, um, you're with me this morning. We're going to put some hand motions with this. So I'd like for all of you, I know it's kind of silly, but if you would, even if you're watching at home or if you're driving, you know, just be sure to keep one hand on the steering wheel and one eye on the road. But um, just put your fists together like this. I want you to do that, everybody. And when we say quick to listen, we're going to open up our hands really quick, just like that, okay? And so here we go. Ready? Fists in the air. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Keep those hands up one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, why do we do that? Because here's what happens when you're in conflict. When you're having an argument, when, when you're having a difficult conversation with somebody, you know what happens? And sometimes we don't realize this, but it just happens. Our hands, or actually our whole body, will clench up and that will close up. And, and so physically there's a reaction, it closes up. And what happens is our, our minds are closing up, our hearts are closing up, our, our ears are shutting down. And we're just kind of even physically kind of shutting down and closing down. And the reason in conflict especially um, this happens in verbal conflict, Th through an argument, we're kind of building up all of this stuff inside of us. And, and the reason that happens, the reason we close up is because we want to be heard, right? We want to be heard. We actually, both parties want the very same thing. Both parties want to be heard, right? I want to be heard. And more than heard, I want to be understood, right? And so I want you to be quick to listen to me, and, and I want you to be slow to speak, and, but you want me to be quick to listen and slow to speak because you want to be heard and understood, and I want to be heard and understood. And so it's like we're saying, look, we may not ever agree, but you've got to listen to me. We might, we might not ever agree on how to parent. We might not ever agree on this big decision that we have that's kind of looming at work. We might never agree on wearing masks or political parties or whether that person that you're dating is right for you or not. Um, you know, we may never agree, but come on, at least listen to me. And if you have to say something, if you're gonna interrupt and if you're gonna interject, if you have to say something, then say something 
thing that at least lets me know that you heard me, right? Even if it's a grunt, even if it's a, you know, aha, or if it's an uh, you know, I, I just, I, I don't want you to argue with me, but I want you to know that you've heard me. See, I can't really hear you till I feel that you've heard me, and you can't really hear me until you feel like to some extent I've heard you, right? So, if you grew up in church, you may, you may recognize um, that I didn't make this up. I actually stole this. I plagiarized this from a very famous person. His name is James. And, and James had an even more famous brother who is named Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus. And uh, can you just imagine growing up with Jesus as your big brother? I mean, James did. And, and, and James, he, he didn't show up in the story of Jesus. He shows up after the story of Jesus because James thought his brother was crazy. And of course he did. I mean, you know, if you imagine his scenario, if your brother claimed to be the son of God, you're like, um, no, you're not the son of God. You're the son of Joseph, who's also my father, <laughs> right? It's a conversation you'd be having. So, so anyway, after the resurrection, because that's pretty convincing, when you stand with your mother and you watch your brother crucified, and then a few days later, you have breakfast with your brother on the beach, you're convinced. It's like, okay, I can't explain that now. And so James emerges, the end of the story, he emerges in the first century as, get this, the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And James was such an incredible man, and his nickname was Just. He was known as James the Just, and he was stoned to death because of jealousy and because of what was going on between the church and Judaism back in the first century. But before James the Just went on to receive his just reward, he saw his brother again. Imagine that reunion. And, and before he did that, though, he wrote a letter to the church. And in the letter, he talks about how important it is for us relationally to learn to listen and to learn to speak at the right time and to say the right thing. And so here's what he says. The opening line, if you're a woman, I'm telling you, I cannot exaggerate what, uh, enough what we're about to discover here. In, in, in the first century, women really in, in, in any environment, in any cultural, this is just the cultural uh, thing at the time, they had little to no rights. And they, they, they couldn't testify in court. Um, they, were, they were property. Fathers uh, decided who their daughters were going to marry based on how it helped them politically or financially. Um, women just had no rights. And James, the brother of Jesus, who has been impacted by the fact that Jesus elevated the status and the dignity of everybody, opens up the letter like this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, because you're on equal footing, times have changed, and God has done something new in the world. That's what was happening. And so that's a, just a big opening statement right there. My dear brothers and my sisters, take note. That is, you know, sit up straight if you're taking notes, take note of this. And like, all right, James, what you got? And he says, everyone. So who's he talking to? Everyone. And here's our line. Everyone should be quick to listen. Now, which doesn't make any sense. How do you, how do you listen quickly, right? I mean, you hear, but how do you speed up your hearing? And, and the reason he uses these two words that really don't go together is because he's trying to make a very important point. And that's, that's what communicators do, right? They'll put something out there. So here's your point. Here's your first priority, the number one thing in sequence. I want you to do this first. The most important thing relationally that you can do is you can be quick, quick to listen. Listen quickly. Make it first. Quickly before you do anything else. Listen. Which is let's be honest, exactly what we want other people to do for us, right? So essentially, James is saying, if we think about it here, this is just more of that thing that Jesus taught you. You are to do for others as your father, as Father God through Christ has done for you. You are to do for others what you want others to do for you. You want others to listen to you. You want to be understood, then be quick to listen, and then here's our other statement. It says, be quick to listen, be slow to speak. Literally, the idea here is to be late when it comes to your words. Be late, wait and be late. And I would add to it, if I, if I had something to add to it, I would say, be curious, 
Be curious, ask a question when the person that you're having conflict with is, is just going on and on and on and, you, and you've got to say something. Be curious, ask a question, maybe ask three questions. And I'll explain this. You, it, here's the thing, you might, you might ask when I say that, you might, well, if I ask a question, they're just going to keep on talking and that's going to send them down another rabbit trail. Just, they're going to keep on going on and on and on and on. Well, yeah, I would say this to you. The reason you ask questions is, and you keep providing opportunity for more rabbit trails and more ramps, on-ramps for them to talking. Why? It's because you know your responsibility. And what's your responsibility? Your responsibility is to be quick to listen and slow to speak, right? And the longer they speak, the quicker you are to listen, and the quicker you, the quicker you are to listen, the quicker that I am to listen, the more I learn. You see that? And so if you're a parent, if you ever want to be a parent, um, I have kids that are in their mid-20s now, so I've been through all the different seasons. I'm in all the, all the seasons right now. And I'm telling you how much you know, I would have given if, if I could convince my kids to be curious and ask questions when I'm the one that's droning on and on and on. And in fact, if, if, you're, if you're a young person, if you're watching or listening to this, if you want to just freak your parents out when they're kind of giving you the dad or the mom talk, this is, this is all you need to do. You just say, dad, dad, I, I don't quite you know, see it your way, but I really want to. So can you just say in a different way so I can understand? And, and you know what's going to happen? Boom, they're gone. Why? Why? Because nobody does that. Because here's the normal response is we argue, we argue, we argue, right? We, we, we try to get our words in there. And, and so, but if you can learn, if you can hit pause, and if you can be curious, and if you can ask questions, you're quick to listen, quick to listen, quick to listen, and slow to speak, everything changes in that conversation right? And so now I'll flip it around and I'll say at this, my, my worst parenting moments are when I'm quick to speak and I'm slow to listen. Anybody else have that experience? I, I mean, I mean, I'll be the first to raise my hand there. And, and all, all of you with any kind of authority, you've been tempted to do this. You know, when it's, when it's, when it's like, you know, okay, well, I've got the wisdom bucket you know, I've, I've got the, the experience bucket. I've got the age bucket. I've got, I've got the insight bucket. And you don't even have the, you know, the, the frontal lobe development yet. And so you stop talking now. And, and I'm going to pour all of my wisdom and all of my extra. And, oh, hey, oh, where did they go? <laughs> right? They've left the room. Why don't my kids talk to me? Why, why, do they, why don't they want to hang out with me? It's because you're driving them away. Now, parents, you need to know this, and husbands, you need to know this, and wives, you need to know this. You can write the person you love right out the door. You can write the person that you love most right out of the relationship. You can write your all-star, rock star employee right out of the company. You can be right and right and right and right, and you can write them right out of the relationship because I want to be understood. I don't want to be lectured, right? And I'm willing to be open to your ideas. And, I, and if you think for a moment that you might even partially understand what it is that I'm trying to communicate to you. So we know that this is important. We've been on both sides. And I, you've seen, you've probably seen your kid's eyes kind of glaze over. And, you know, you, you walk away from that conversation thinking, you know, I don't understand. Well, I know I'm Right. I know I'm giving them good advice. I know I'm giving them wise counsel. So why is it that we just can't communicate? And here's what James would say in response to that, because you're not quick to listen. You're, you're quick to speak. If, if you want to enhance any relationship, be quick to listen and be slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, if you do that, if you get those two ideas, then what he says next comes easy. Here's what he says next. Everybody needs to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, slow to become angry is both a result and a decision. If you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you are less likely to be angry. And it's easy, easier, I should say, to guard against your anger. If you've decided up front that I'm going to ask questions, I'm going to be 
curious. And we all express anger differently, right? There's some of us, some of us in the room, we are the kind of people that express anger like a volcano. It's like, just explode our anger everywhere. It just kind of erupts. Others of us, what happens is we just kind of stuff it, right? We kind of stuff it and we stuff it down until, you know, uh, we just kind of get in a bad mood. That's me sometimes. I just kind of go inward and I get in a bad mood and, you know, I just walk around the house and I'm, and I'm doing my mood and I'm maybe trying to get Deanna to say, what's wrong? What's wrong, honey? And I'll say, oh, nothing. Nothing's at all wrong. <laughs> right? And she says, no, I, I, something's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Like that response helps anything or every, anybody, Right? And so it's this passive aggressiveness, but, but we all go one way or the other. We blow up or we go inside. So, but the point is, this is what he's saying. He says, look, that's so bad for your relationships. That's so bad for any kind of, that's not loving people. And so one of the ways to bypass blowing up or just becoming passive aggressive or just being salty or moody or trying to get control that way, he says that you've got to understand where the other person is coming from. So be quick to listen be slow to speak. But anger in the context of what he's talking about is really anger like this. It's, it, this is what it is. It's drawing hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. Hasty, because we're not being quick to listen, right? It's, we're, we're, we're already in our mind, we're already going on to the next thing, how we're gonna respond back. It's misinformed because we're not listening or we're not learning anything. And it's relationally destructive. It's actually destructive to the relationship. So here's his formula, here's his response. If you want the, the whole first message in a nutshell, here it is. The longer you listen, the more you'll learn, the less angry you'll be. The longer you listen, the more you'll learn the less angry you'll become. Now, here's why this works. And what I'm about to tell you, this is just common sense. If you're taking notes, you're not even gonna wanna write this down. This is like, really, you're just wasting our time telling us this. Um, and sometimes, you know, this is one of those things that's just so obvious. But every once in a while, I would say, you know, we need to be reminded of what's obvious so we can keep it in front of us. And, and, and just, you know, so we don't depart from it. And when we see it, because it's so obvious, nobody should have to tell us, but we need to recognize it. So here's it, here it is. Everything, everything, everything that everyone does makes sense to them. It's pretty deep, huh? <laughs> pretty deep. Yeah, everything that everyone does makes sense to them. It gets worse. Everything that everyone says makes perfect sense to them. And everything that everyone believes makes perfect sense to them as well. So now here's what we need to do with, in response to that understanding and that information. When you hear yourself saying, or when you catch yourself thinking, I don't know why they would do that. I don't know why they would say that. I don't know why they would believe that. I just don't understand it. Who is the one that needs to do some learning? Who's the one that needs to do some education? I'll give you a hint. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why anybody would say that. I don't know why anybody would believe that. I don't know why anybody would do that. Oh, who doesn't know? Well, I think that maybe you have some listening to do. Be quick to listen, quick to learn, some learning to do. Oh, I would rather, much rather be critical. I would rather just point my, I would rather disperse the information. Can you believe that? Why would anybody say that or believe that or do that? Well, guess what? Newsflash, they all have reasons for what they do and what they say and even what they believe, just like you have a perfectly good reason for what you do. And everybody, everything everybody does makes perfect sense to them. And so... Now, some of you, you may have grown up and you've read Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's such a practical book. It was a bestseller in its time. So principle-centered. But the fifth habit of the seven habits, Stephen Covey, uh, Covey basically says the same thing that James is saying here. He just says it in a different way. I thought this might be helpful. He says this, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Do you see it? Quick to listen, slow to speak. Seek first to understand. That means that I have to ask questions. That means, that means that I need to listen, 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 listen. I need to listen. I need to be quick to listen. And then only when I understand do I seek to be understood. You see that? 
The, the way I try to do this, and I, I'm by far from getting this perfect, uh, and again, I as a parent, I've struggled with this, but I decided that I'm gonna try not to criticize something that I don't understand. Now, this, this happens generationally time and time and time again as new cultural things happen in our world, generations that we just don't understand each other. And so there is something that is so important for parents, sons and daughters, grandfathers and grandmothers to listen, right? I'm, I'm not going to criticize an idea that I don't understand, and I'm not going to criticize anybody if I don't know their story. I'm not going to criticize a person if I don't know their story. I'm not going to look at somebody because of the way they're dressed or, or the color of their skin or anything like that if I don't know their story. And once you decide that, you start to become a better learner of people and will gain a better understanding of ideas, right? Because if somebody holds an idea or a persuasion or opinion, it makes sense to them. Does that make sense? It makes sense to them. And if it doesn't make sense to me, who am I to criticize something that I don't even understand? And the thing is when we're in conversation and when we're in conflict and we're just listening to reply, we're just, we're listening. We're only engaged in the conversation so we can formulate uh, an argument to the response that's coming back to us rather than to understand we don't learn anything. We don't learn anything. And so if you're not learning anything, it's gonna be hard to make the relationship any better. Do you see that? It's gonna be hard to make it any better because you know this, we all have a frame of reference. We all come from somebody. We all have a frame. We all have a filter. And every word that you speak to me comes right through my filter and, and my age and my generation and where I went to school and how I was brought up and the culture I lived in. And for some of us, how we were treated because of our culture or because of the color of our skin. Everything goes through that filter. And I hear your words through my filter and chances are I'm not gonna understand you correctly sometimes. So I am a fool to judge you and I'm a fool to criticize you until I understand you, which requires more listening and less speaking. You see what James is getting at? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. How many of you can see this wisdom applying in social media? <laughs> right? I, I, I imagine if James would write this today, he might write, be quick to scroll, slow to comment. <laughs> very, 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 very slow. I don't know, but it seems reasonable, right? Um, what about applying this truth right here, right now, right here in this room? We started the season of hybrid services on site and online by saying, as we begin to gather together, let's do this with bucket loads of grace, right? This, the nation, nationwide statistics are still um, sitting somewhere about 30% for people that are coming back on site to churches. And a lot, of, uh, a lot of our community is still watching online. We've got about 50% in our particular uh, church family right here. And so we knew that as we started kind of assembling back together, Part of the reason we said that is because of this hypertension that's in the world right now with this whole conversation that's going on, you know, with social distancing and wearing masks and blah, 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 right? And there's, so there's a lot of strong opinions. And, and, and so let me just say, for the most part, we have done so good. We've done, we've, we've done an amazing, uh, we've got an amazing church family and you've been loving and kind and gracious, but it is hard to tame the tongue. <laughs> It is hard. It is hard to tame the tongue. And so I just want to encourage us this morning. And, you know, even though we know, Jesus says that the world will know us by our, help me out, Pastor Patricia, <laughs> by our love. It starts with us, right? It starts with us. Even though we know that, um, you know, there's, there's too many shaming stories without the church adding to that mess. We don't need to be a part of that. And so let me just ask this question this morning. Can you think of a time when someone started shaming someone for their choice? Maybe it's, I mean, it's been such a thing, you know, that mass shaming has become a phrase in our culture right now because so many people have had the, their fingers pointed at them just, you know, for that simple thing. So think about that for a second. What more than likely happened in that scenario didn't happen in that scenario? And that was listening. What, listening is a part of loving people. 
You see that? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Listening is a very real way to love people. So now if, if we stopped right there, that's pretty good. But James isn't finished yet because James is the brother of Jesus and he's seen his resurrected brother. And so this is way bigger than y'all need to get along. That's not where the conversation ends. That's, it's not just a stop it, cut it out conversation. This is, isn't just self-help. This is way bigger than that. There's a divine agenda to this. And he continues, and this is what he says. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry because, and now he says this, I'm gonna tell you why. And here's the thing, we think we know why. You know, I, I, I know why we should do this because if I'm calmer, I will be able to be more convincing. <laughs> then I can just kind of reel them in and explain my way and then they're going to see the world the way that I do. No, this isn't a ploy. This isn't, this isn't something that we're leveraging to get our way. James is going, that's not what this is about. Let me explain why this is a big deal. Everybody should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become, become angry because, tell us why, James, because human anger, what is human anger? Human anger is when we don't get our way. That's, that's, that's why you get angry and why you get frustrated. And some of you say, well, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. Well, <laughs> okay, what's the difference? Well, frustrated just sounds better. James hears that and his point is, look, human anger, and we all know that human anger is frustration. We blow up sometimes, sometimes we internalize. He says, human anger that results from talking too quickly and not listening very much, human anger does not produce or does not result in or does not cultivate, does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There's three agendas here. There's three. There's your agenda, there's the other person's agenda. There's that back and forth. And then there's God's agenda. And as long as you're trying to be right and convince them that you're right, that's what we would call your agenda. That's, that's your rightness. That's, that's how your rightness connects to your words. And that other person is also trying to be right. And God has an agenda as well. You know, my anger, not getting my way and trying to convince you and, con and convict you and control you and persuade you. Here's what my anger produces. It produces the, the, the rightness or the righteousness that I desire. And so that's, that's what the word righteousness means. It just means, it simply means rightness. And so do you know what my rightness is? This is what my rightness produces. It's simply, I know I'm right. And I know I want you to know I'm right. I, in fact, I want everybody to know I'm right. And my anger and my frustration and my persuasion skills and, and produce my righteousness and my rightness. And James says, that's not the righteousness or the rightness of God. That's not the right right. That's not what we're going after. And this is what God draws us unto. And this is so big. We're going to come back to this in a couple of weeks. It says this. He says, let's be honest, folks. You, you, you can be right at each other. God wants you to be right with one another. Big difference. Big difference. We see a lot of this on social media, right? It's when I want to convince you that I'm right and I want you to finally throw up your hands and say, oh, you're right. But, but let's be honest for those of you who are in relationships. When you win an argument, do you really win anything? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Deanna, be quiet. <laughs> no, I mean, you might win the argument, but you just lost the relationship, Right? And again, parents, you can write your kids right out the door. And James is saying he's talking primarily to Christians here. Come on, that's not what God wants. God isn't on your side or the other side. God doesn't take that. He wants you to, he doesn't want you to be right at each other. He wants you to be right with one another, right? The whole gospel in a nutshell is to love God and love others. And now he draws us into Jesus' great commandment. You know, Jesus gave the one commandment was that was kind of the overarching ethic for all of a Christian behavior, and that is, is as I have loved you, you are to love one another. 
And the interesting thing is this, when you read the New Testament, Jesus did not come to be right because that would have taken all of 30 seconds, right? He shows up, gets everybody together and says, I'm right, any questions? Snap his fingers, right? And he could have uh, done all the miracles and offer up all the snappy answers to everybody's questions. He did some of that with the Pharisees and the Sadducees um, where he kind of left them spinning in the wind. But think about it, if Jesus just came to be right, it wouldn't have ended up with him being crucified. Jesus didn't come to be right. And James says to you, as a Jesus follower, he says to me, as a Jesus follower, Sean, your goal and your mission isn't to be right either. Just love me and love people. Love me and love people. He did not come to be right. He came to reconcile us to God and to what? One another, with each other. And so he says to me and he says to you, quit being right at each other and let's figure out how to be right with each other. And how do we do that, James? I already told you, quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Here's the thing. If the two of you aren't right, it doesn't matter who's right. You get that? If, if it's not right between the two of you, you don't win in a relational argument. You don't win a fight in a marriage. There is no winner if things aren't right between you. In fact, being right can actually make things worse. Some of you have experienced winning a night out of the couch, right? I'm the winner. <laughs> Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Then he continues because he's still not done. It, it, it's, it's so rich. And he says, therefore, now that we know what the goal is, now that we know what the application is, let's just take this one step further because there's something else that you need to do if this thing is gonna work. And he says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Now this little phrase right here, get rid of in the Greek, is the word that you would use for taking off a jacket or taking off a coat. And so what he's saying is, you know, it's, it's kind of the language, hey, come on in, take off your coat, relax, take that off. And so he says, you're walking around with an I'm right jacket on your back. You're walking around with the I'm right coat. And, and so your whole goal in life and relationships, if you're not careful, is just to prove to everybody that you're okay, that you're cool, that you've got it going on and that you're right. And he says, you gotta take that thing off and you gotta take that thing out. And the reason he says moral filth, I mean, it sounds so big and nasty and dirty, and here's why. You know this self-rightness, that idea that I've always got to be right, quickly becomes a moral issue. And James says, come on, do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to be reconciled with God and one another? Then here's the thing, you've got to take that off. And he said, there's something else that you've got to take off too. And he says, the evil that is so prevalent is what it says in the scripture. The evil that is so prevalent, the word evil here, Maybe in this context, maybe a better word might be malice. We don't use that word so much, but malice is, a, is the term a des, like a desire to harm. Malice is a desire to get even. It's a desire to get back or to pay somebody back. He said, that's what epitomizes your culture. Anybody see that in our culture? It's a desire to strike back. And he says that when it dawns on you in the middle of an argument with a husband or your son or your daughter or maybe on social media or your parents or, and it's kind of escalating, he says, when you realize, okay, there I go again, I've got my I'm right jacket on, he says, just hit pause and go, okay, I'm gonna be taking this thing off because I know where this leads and it never leads to anything good because even if I win, the relationship loses. And he says, let me give you an alternative. So take that thing off, and here's what I want you to put on. This is so powerful, I love this. And humbly, here's a word that hasn't been a part of the conversation yet, but it's the key. And humbly accept the word planted in you. And he says, I want you to take off the I've always gotta be right jacket, and I want you to put on humility. Humility says we are more important than me. Or I can say it another way, you are more important than me or my idea of what is right. And so we reconcile. Being right with you is more important to me than getting my way. Do you know why that is? Because we're never gonna win anybody to Jesus if we don't love them. Do you see it? We gotta love them. And so he says, 
We reconcile, being right with you is more important to me than me getting my way. And that's humility. He says, I want you to receive. And then he kind of uses this little co-word for New Testament stuff. I want you to accept the word planted in you. And he says, look, you're a Christian, aren't you? You're Jesus followers, right? Yeah. Well, you, you already know how this works. You've already embraced, you know, this big picture. I mean, you've got the context and you've got the frame right in front of you that God sent his son into the world to die for you. And he put you in front of himself. And now he's asked you to do, for the, do the same for others. Do you see that? Yeah. Well, then do that. Okay, but I don't know how. I told you, be quick to listen, slow to speak quick to listen and slow to speak. He's saying step back into this just basic, basic truth that you embraced when you first became a follower of Jesus. And then he ends with this and he says, that which has the power to save you. And listen, this isn't like save you eternally. We're, talking, we're not talking about eternal life in this particular scripture. He's talking about saving you right now in this context. Save your marriage, save your relationship, save your job, save your relationship with your son or daughter, save you from regretful words, saving you from have to, having to apologize again, saving you from lashing out in anger, maybe saving you from divorce or perhaps prison. But the key word here is accept. And he says, you've got to step back and what you've known from day one as a believer and accept it and you've got to embrace it because doing this, not just knowing this, and he talks about that later in his letter too, doing this is what makes all the difference. Let's stand as we get ready to close this morning. I just want to read that passage um, all together again. Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, who was martyred in the year of 63 because he believed his brother was the Lord. This is what he says to us in his letter to the church. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And if you're quick to listen, and if you're slow to speak, then you'll be slow to become angry. Why, James? Why should we do this? He says, because it's bigger than just getting along. Because human anger... The anger of, I've just got to be right and prove to you that I'm right and always win all the conversations and all the arguments. That kind of anger doesn't produce the righteousness or the rightness that God desires. Because God desires for you to be right with each other, not right at each other. And it says, therefore, get rid of all that moral filth, take the coat off and the evil that is so prevalent in your culture and humbly accept Step back into this basic truth that got you on this journey to begin with because that has the power to save you right now. Wow, isn't that good? So one more time, get your hands out ready this morning. Get your hands out. Some of you are like, this is not for me. Yes, it is. <laughs> ready? One, two, three. Quick to listen, slow to speak. One more time, ready? Quick to listen, slow to speak. James says, don't settle for being right. You've got to first make things right with others and then you've got to keep things right. And we'll pick it up there next week. Father God, thank you, Lord, that our righteousness and our rightness is found in you. We look to you. And so that this morning, it's not a striving to be right, but it's just being loved sons and daughters, walking around in your love. God, that's, that's the turning that we do is we turn to you and you fill us up. What happens then is you fill us up with love and it spills out on the others all around us. So help us, help us to tame our tongues, to be quick to listen and slow to speak. We know that you've called us to be a light and to be a voice and to be a roaring lion in our culture, Lord. But first, let us be so full of you that when we do open our mouths, the words that we speak out are of love. God, help us to love those that you send us to. God, it's so much more important to be a light than it is to be right. God, help us to love our brothers and sisters. God, help us to see them in their context, where they come from. They have <laughs> reasons for what they are believing and doing and saying. And Father God, you know, we've found a rescue in you, so help us to love them and help us, just like you loved us. You loved us right where we were at and you brought us into family and you called us your own. 
So God, we rest in you this morning. Let our words be your words. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Pastor Derek is going to close us out this morning. Oh, thanks for remembering my name, Sean. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Feel free to have a seat. We're going to spend just a few more minutes together. Uh, That's funny because I'm like the worst with names, like in the history of people and names. I, I can't remember anything. You guys doing okay? Having a good morning? I'll tell you what, I just had the most stressful hour of my life. Uh, For those of you online, hopefully you can still see and hear this. I apologize for all those troubles, man. I have no idea what's going on. I'm going to troubleshoot after service and see what I can figure out. But I restarted everything, and I rebooted everything, and I checked every setting, and it still didn't come back. So I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to get it figured out. So next week, things should be running smoother, okay? So again, sorry about that. For those of you in-house, Internet's been a problem today, and it's been just awesome for me. All right, I'm going to get back in to focus on what I'm going to do. I want to tell you guys a little bit of a story, just a kind of a short, well, shortish uh, story uh, that I think kind of applies uh, to what Pastor Sean was just sharing and will uh, kind of help guide us into, I think, where God wants us to go next. Um, I do a lot of projects in my garage. Sometimes they're wood projects, sometimes they're metal projects, sometimes they're mechanic projects, uh, just kind of whatever I feel like, whatever needs done. And... Uh, I like to be able to go out and do it on a whim. I don't want to have to plan. I don't want to have to think. I want to just be able to go. So if I'm sitting in my living room or my basement or wherever, and I'm like, you know, I want to go to the garage and finish the wood project and, you know, paint that, um, I can walk into my garage and I can kick off my good shoes and I can step into my garage shoes. My garage shoes are like these shoes. When these ones get old, they get kind of demoted (laughs) or promoted to the garage shoes. The garage shoes are the ones that I leave loose enough tied that I don't have to tie them. I can just kick in, you know? And uh, a few years ago, somebody gave me a pair of Carhartt jeans. If you know anything about Carhartt jeans, they're indestructible. And, uh, but these ones are like, I want to say eight sizes too big. Well, they were eight sizes too big for me then. Uh, Now they're like 15 sizes too big for me. And uh, uh, like the legs are Like when I wear them, I look like I belong in the late 90s, you know, like I should have a chain and, you know, Uh, but but they fit over anything and I can put them on very quickly because I, so, so I can walk into the, into my, my, my laundry room that's right next to my garage. I can kick off my shoes, step into my other ones. Even with my shoes on, I can step into these giant pants and I have a belt that stays on them and it's a long belt and I pull it around and uh, it tightens down and then. Then I have a hoodie and, uh, that hangs there. So if it's like a, a fall day, I can wear my hoodie. And I have a, uh, a case uh, Carhartt jacket that my, used to belong to my father-in-law that's there. And I can put that on if it's colder. And I can layer up if it's, you know, January because I will go out in January and put up a space heater and do whatever I'm doing. And, uh, and sometimes I'll just, I have, I have this old button-up shirt it's blue. Uh, at least it used to be blue. It's less blue now, but uh, it's, it's like a size 3X. So uh, I can walk into, the gra- walk into my laundry room. I can kick off my good shoes, step into my demoted shoes, pull up these giant pants, put on this, this super huge shirt over everything that I have. And I'm basically standing there in the biggest clothes I own. Things I could never leave the house with. Uh, like if I have to go to Lowe's for parts or something, I have to change out of that or I get in trouble. And uh, that's, that's, that's kind of how I do. So uh, a few years ago, um, just to kind of give you an idea of some of the hijinks I get into, uh, this is, this, this, it'll all come together. Just hang with me. Uh, the rack and pinion in my truck, I looked it up, first service, I couldn't remember the name of the part. And I was like, ah. Anyway, so a few years ago, the rack and pinion in my truck went out. The, the, the boot split and uh, uh, power steering fluid just everywhere, all over the place. Um, I actually found it at Hills Alive. And coming into my parking spot and leaving my parking spot, there were like these six to nine foot streaks of where every time the tire went around, it just shot power, st- uh, yeah, power steering fluid out. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think that I'm, I'm good at a lot of things. I'm really not good at a lot of things. I am good at learning how to do things. So I get online, I go to YouTube, I figure out how to do this. I, I have my manual for the, the truck, I always buy the manual. And uh, I learn how to do the, how to, how to take out the part and, and put in the new part. 
And sometimes in the manual, it tells you to do steps that you could actually not have to do. So the first time I did this, it took me about four hours. We had to take apart extra things and there was various different fluids, power steering, uh, there was regular oil, there was transmission fluid, all kinds of things everywhere. And uh, the sec- that part was a refurbished one and it blew up, like after a day. It, they hadn't, hadn't built it right, so I had to get a, a second one. And we put it in, it took about, I think like two hours, and that one failed as well. So we got a third one, it took me 45 minutes to put in the third one. But I'm, I'm remembering back to that first day, and that's, that's really the picture I want you guys to have, because I spent four hours on a probably 85 degree day, laying on the concrete under my truck, and I was literally laying in all of these different fluids because they were everywhere. You can't, you can't do this job cleanly. You just can't. And if I had a lift and I could get my truck up here and I could work under it like this, I would at least be able to step away. But when you're laying under it, there's junk everywhere. So I spent four hours and uh, I, I, like, I, I remember at one point I, I had like pulled out and found some cold concrete that was in the shade. Don't get this on your skin. And I'm just drenched in it, right? And this, this is the kind of dirty I get in these clothes that are too big, that don't fit. And when I'm done with whatever it is that I'm doing, I step back into the house, like Mr. Rogers, I kick off my shoes, and I can drop those giant pants to the floor. And of course, I'm still wearing whatever it was that I, when I had the whim to go out. And I can take off that giant shirt and drop it to the ground, and I step over, and all of the dirty, nasty stuff is there, and I'm free to run around the house. You know, go wash my hands, maybe wash my head a little bit, depending on what I've been doing. Sawdust sticks to this a lot. Uh, But Pastor Sean was talking about how we often wear our language and our attitude and our behavior like clothes. And God didn't build us for that. We weren't designed to behave the way that we often behave. We weren't designed to speak the way that we often speak. But we do. And, and you know, we, we were reading, uh, oh, good Lord, I told you I was bad with names. Who's the guy in the Bible? What, what book are we reading out of? James, thank you. See? Point in case. Uh, so, so James was talking about how we need to take this filth off like clothes. We need to peel it off and set it aside. See, who God created you to be, who God designed you to be when he was forming you in his own image, he didn't form you and me. He didn't form us to behave and to treat each other the way that we often find ourselves treating each other. And so we can take that off. And there's imagery all throughout the Bible and all throughout Christianity. I mean, that's, that's the prime reason why uh, when we used to do water baptisms, and, and a lot of people still do, when they would do water baptisms, they would walk into a river and they would change clothes in the river and they would come out wearing new, white, clean clothes to signify the taking off of the dirty old self and the putting on of the new clean. I wrote a song once where I, I basically kind of referred to it as a Jesus robe. And we put on Jesus like a jacket. So I think kind of what we're coming to is, is this idea that I can always come back and put on those dirty clothes. But should I? Is it beneficial? Obviously, I can. Obviously, it's possible. And yeah, I can get a lot of stuff done in those dirty clothes. But those dirty clothes weren't meant to be used in the world. Uh, If you're new uh, to to church, if you're new to Jesus, if you're new to this whole discussion and your heart has been, uh, whether you're online or in room uh, or in house, if you you feel like Jesus is, is, or Holy Spirit's kind of pulling at you and you're like, man, I want to be, uh, I, I, maybe you just feel like, man, this journey is yours and, and you want to you wanna step in. You want to maybe take off these old clothes that we're talking about and step into the new life that you were created to have. Uh, that's fantastic. And I want, you, I, I want to, I want to uh, say a prayer with you in a few minutes. But if you're not that person, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you find yourself on social media getting in those arguments or, or chatting behind people's backs about 
whatever it is that's coming up. Oh my gosh, you guys, gossip is the worst. But it's so much fun, you know? But it doesn't do any good for anybody. If you're finding yourself just kind of standing there like, man, I feel gross. I was, I was telling first service, I can't get in an argument with somebody and not feel gross afterwards. That's not to say I never get in an argument. I argue all the time. It's where my kids get it, and that's why I argue with them. And when I'm done, I feel gross because that's not what I was designed for. Yeah, I might win. Like Pastor Sean was saying, I might win, but unless we're good, I didn't win anything. The right words at the wrong time are the wrong words. So maybe you're, you're that person. You're just like, man, I have been getting into arguments I shouldn't have been getting into. I have been, I have been running my mouth, running my fingers on the keyboard when I shouldn't have been. And you just feel dirty. We're gonna pray for you too. Uh, because really all this is, all that we're, all that we're doing here, you know, this, this prayer isn't magic. And I'm going to say that like every time because I firmly, firmly believe that salvation isn't about saying words. If salvation was about saying words, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. We could all just say words and go on. It's not about that. It's about the heart and it's about the, the heart change. And um, Pastor Sean's going to, I assume, we're going to be hearing uh, about how out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's, that's in the Bible as well. And... Uh, so really, that's all we're doing. You know, Holy Spirit has been pulling on your heart to, to either, you know, bring you into this journey with, with Christ or, or maybe you're, you're that person who just kind of feels gross from arguing. Then Holy Spirit's saying, hey, let's get back into alignment. Let's get back into journey. Let's get back into the flow. So whichever one you are, uh, if, if, if you fall into either of those, uh, feel free to pray, uh, pray these words after me, okay? Jesus... I thank you so much for dying for me. I will get my cadence right. I'm sorry. You are awesome. I recognize my need for a savior and I recognize that you are him. Jesus, please help me to live the way that you and the Father designed me to live. Help me to step out of the old, dirty clothes and live in the new, clean life that you have destined for me. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.